0: Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising
1: compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au
0: Crunching the numbers, thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre, a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north, which has tennis for everyone. Perfect for coaches and players if you're coming from interstate to train and compete. Close to Melbourne Airport with accommodation available. Find out more at humetennis.com.au.
1: Hello, this is Stephen and Welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. I'm here with my compatriot Chris Ponce, who's over in Tokyo right now with uh, Claire Lou, <laughs> who's competing there. Chris, how
0: are things in Japan, mate? Oh, it's great! Uh, it's my first time here, so they're doing an unbelievable job. But I think we've been here for four days now, and we've only hit outdoors once. So it's, oh, I think wow. it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna rain all week. But uh, yeah, it's a great facility. I love it.
1: All right. Well, uh, now you have set up. Um, you've done an unbelievable job to put some statistics together today. Tell us a little bit about what we're what we're going to touch on today, and then uh, I, I, I don't think we can. Yeah, why don't you introduce what we're going to talk about today? Yeah,
0: so something I've been passionate about is is um, especially the, the girl I travel with. She's not the hardest hitter, so I, I've always been like kind of concerned, like how hard is hard enough? So, uh, what are the men and women doing in terms of like rally ball speed? And especially lately, it's like I, I go on Instagram or whatever Facebook, and it's. It's like you, you see Rune or Rude or Alcarez or Curios, and these guys are just launching forehands in practice and it seems like that's getting a lot more attention lately, you know, how hard, how hard these guys are hitting and some of the women. So I just want to make sure, like, you're not left behind, like, how important is rally ball speed in terms of giving yourself the best chance to win or, or, or constructing the point? So... So yeah, I, I put together some stuff. Uh, I'm gonna use the 2019 U.S. Open, which I I have the the most stuff on, and maybe compare a little bit to uh, to 2021 the U.S. Open since that just passed. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I wanted to talk about today.
1: Fantastic. And I thought just before we start on the numbers, we should mention uh, the retirement of one Roger Federer um, this week. Um, I think you had a story to share and then I'd like to sh- to share two quick ones as well. Um, but certainly, you know, obviously one of the greatest players ever to play the game um, and someone who's obviously dominated in our lifetime. So share a little tidbit from uh, from Roger.
0: Yeah, so the, the story I was telling you right before we started here was was one my buddy told me. He he uh, was at Indian Wells watching him, and and Federer was playing Blake, and I, I think it might have been in the semis. And it kind of relates to the rally ball speed. And I think in that match, Blake had hit a couple really big forehands. He was known for his forehand, and the crowd really got into it. And then on then he he Blake hit a, like a huge forehand for a winner. But at that point, Federer was winning pretty easily. And uh, the very next point after Blake launched that forehand and the the crowd was going crazy, Federer did the same thing back to him. He hit it just as hard. But I think it was more Federer showing him, I can hit just as hard as you. I I just don't need to. And maybe we'll talk about that a little on the podcast. But that's the story I have. So let's see what you got.
1: Well, he certainly had the ability to change gears, didn't he, to go up or down depending on what he needed. So mine are a little bit away from tennis. Um, obviously, I shared some locker rooms with him over the years because uh, you know he was uh, we were traveling at the same time and, and competing. Um, he was usually there in the second week, and I was long gone. But uh, there were a few a few times where we crossed paths, and uh, one of them was at, at Wimbledon. I was in the downstairs gym and it just started raining. So things were delayed and Roger comes down and he's kind of walking around and I'm thinking he's going to warm up. And then he grabs one of those uh, uh, those rollers, kind of one of the, the thin, long ones, you know, that people sort of roll out on. And he's like, oh, come on, someone bowl to me. And I'm thinking, you know, what is he talking about? So one of the South African guys got up and, uh, and started bowling to him. And then he looks over at me. He's like, come on, Hussey, you field. And he's actually batting, playing cricket, um, you know, with the exercise roller. And uh, one of the South African guys is bowling to him and I'm sitting there trying to catch him and he's, you know, he's hitting it and he's running back and forth just like he's playing cricket. So (laughs) I was, you know, I'd kind of forgotten, obviously one of his earliest coaches was uh, Peter Carter, who had a massive influence on him an Australian guy. And so, you know, Federer knew cricket very well. He was playing, you know, off drives and, 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 and pulls over square leg, which doesn't mean anything to you, Chris, but uh, nope. <laughs> he was uh, he was certainly in into, into cricket. That was one story. And then the second one, I think, is even better. I was in the training room in, in Madrid, and a friend of mine, Ashley Fisher, was lying down um, getting his back to work on from one of the physios, and Roger was sitting about two tables away with his coach, and I was sort of on the other side. Um, and I was talking to somebody, and then, you know, Fish, who was lying on the table, like, Got up and he looks over at me and he goes what was that and I was sort of like what do you mean and he's like oh nothing and then he lays back down again and then uh I sort of didn't pay any attention and then it happens again and fish like jumps up off the off the bed that he's on and the, and the masseuse looks at him like what are, you, what are you doing and then he like looks at the looks at the ceiling um and he's like oh there's some water dripping on me or something <laughs> and I'm like fish what you're crazy what are you talking about and uh anyway he lays back down and then now i start to pay a bit more attention and rogers <laughs> he's got a water pistol and, <laughs> and and as soon as fisher lies down he's squirting him with the law with the water pistol and then just acting like nothing happened and so you know there's just a human element to him and uh as yeah. i sort of observed him and i certainly <clears throat> didn't know him well just to say hello to basically but Um, real just normal guy Um, not any flash about him he wasn't better than anybody else he's playing these practical jokes and doing different things so everyone talks about his tennis and his class and all of that and that's just without saying but I thought I'd share those couple of things just to know that he's just a good human being and and a normal person and the fact that he was squirting fish with the water pistols <laughs> and he barely even knows fish uh was was incredibly funny so anyway yeah, but let's let's history. move away from the from from rog and let's get into the statistics um i i looked with the first thing that the the listeners should know is that chris has converted a lot of these from miles per hour which uh you know you and and both and i'm familiar with as well from from living in america and, and dealing with that to kilometers per hour so thanks for doing that chris and why don't you take yep. us through um, some of the things um, that you've researched and got here.
0: Yeah. So, uh, well, thanks, Stephen. Um, so the the first thing I was thinking today was, is, is the game getting faster? Now I only have, I can only compare from from the U.S. Open 2021 uh, quarterfinals on, because I ha- I have the data on that. So that, so if you remember that the, the it's just the women, if you remember it was Emma Raducanu who played, Layla fernandez in the finals compared to 2019 if i compare that to the quarters on and in that year bianca beat serena so if you think about rally ball speed if you think about serve forehand and backhand if, if, if you had to guess which was higher the 2019 or or last year with emma and leila which, which would you guess Oh I
1: I would definitely guess uh, Serena and Bianca. I mean Serena is probably well I think she's the most powerful woman to ever play the game and obviously Bianca has some skill and is a bit has has some variety to her game but she's also a powerful player so I would have thought
0: that. Yeah and and, and I would guess that as well but and with that being said still Serena hits the ball harder than than almost any woman uh, forehand and backhand and serve and If you look at 2019, she hit harder than Medvedev, forehand and backhand. Medvedev lost in the finals of 2019. Only thing Medvedev was faster at was the serve, obviously. Wow. Um, What? Yeah, that's quite impressive. But um, yeah, so if we look at if we compare the 2021 to the 2019 U.S. Open, just quarters on now. Svitolina was, and Pliskova both were in the quarters. uh, I think maybe Svitolina got to the semis two years in a row could be wrong on that but so there's two people of the eight that were still in it but the women forehand speed increased by three kilometers an hour the backhand increased by one kilometer an hour and the serve increased by three kilometers an hour which you know if you think about it that's a pretty big gain especially if you think about who was in the finals but you know i'm sure that'll be a trend like With just with any sport people get faster stronger so you know it it does now this is just a small sample size so it's not really valid but it I if I had to guess and base what I'm seeing on like let's say the men's game at the open this year I was watching Brandon Nakashima and he was hitting with Rublev who hits harder than gosh almost anyone and I was so surprised it just didn't hadn't seen Brandon hit maybe a year and Brandon Nakashima was he was hitting so much harder, but I would, if I had to guess, and we really had some numbers to back this up, just besides the small sample size, I would say it's probably going to keep increasing and then until you get to a certain limit, but as technology gets better and, and the game just keeps moving along, I, I think that trend will hold, but yeah. So that to me was a surprise.
1: Let me just read the numbers. 164 yeah. to 167 on serve, yeah. uh, 110 to 111 on forehand. Yeah, so- 105 to 108 on backhand. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt, Chris, that if we think about, you know, tennis 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it was slower yeah. than it is now. And, of course, that trend is going to continue. So, but that's really interesting um, as far as, you know, Fernandez and Raducanu, who are obviously awesome tennis players, You but you wouldn't put them in the same... Power as uh, as as Serena and Bianca, and obviously, like you said, Serena is more powerful. But the yeah. game is just going to continue to get bigger and faster. All right, what else you got for us, Chris?
0: Yeah, so so then I was thinking, well, if let's say I hit harder than you, Stephen Huss, which which I do, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of I can't listeners... deny that. Yes, that's most of the world. Yep. So so I I wanted to see if if I just took that stat alone just if I hit harder than you, what are, would my chances be of winning the match? If I, if, if I combined uh, forehand, backhand, um, if I did it for the men and the women, so for the men, if, if I hit harder than you just combine forehand and backhand, I didn't do serve actually. Um, my chances of winning the match are 59%. If I hit harder for both, if, and then if I hit a harder forehand than you, 59%. And then if I hit a harder backhand, it's like 50-50. But yeah, I mean, probably in, in the men's game and the women's more now too, you're looking for more forehands because um, you can just hit it harder and more versatility. In the women's game, if let's say I hit harder than you, there was no difference. It was 50-50 whether I won the match. If, I think at the end of the day, what, one thing, and you, you can get into this too, one thing we have to remember is you still have to find the court. So I, I always think back to, you know, my cousin. He he would hit the ball so hard, but you know, finding the court consistently is a problem. So, but let's say if you're not going to bring as much power, you better make sure that you're doing something with the ball to make it harder for these people to to kind of overpower you or put you in, in tough positions. So so that's my takeaway there. Now you had an interesting point and maybe we'll get to that in the next one, but about you, about rally ball speed, you know, you have to be somewhere. My thought is if you hit
1: significantly harder than me, um, you know, that number might go up as far as your winning percentage. So when we're looking at these statistics, I think it's important for the listeners to realize and understand is we're, we're comparing pros to pros. We're comparing the quarterfinalists onwards at the grand slams. So it's not like it's not like somebody's, you know, hitting a forehand um, at 111 and someone else is hitting a forehand at 82. Like that would be a huge difference and they probably wouldn't be in the same ball park. But yeah. if you're 111 to 104 and the 104 can maneuver the ball and, and control the ball better than the 111, then that sort of difference in pace perhaps isn't so significant. And, and isn't a big reason why they would win the match. So we got to remember that we're these, they're pretty close, and you need to have a baseline of power or rally ball speed to even kind of be able to play at the level. Um, so that was kind of a point that I had. Uh, yep. So I think that, that power is definitely something that we want to try to continue to develop as coaches. Because while you don't have to be the most powerful player in the world to be really successful, which, you know, Federer, Um, who's just retired is has not been he's not the hardest hitter on tour but he can hit the ball hard if he wants to um so it's not everything but you need to you need to get to a certain baseline you need to be somewhere in the vicinity um to be able to play at the highest level
0: yeah that's that's great because that kind of ties in to to the next point is let's see where these where these finalists from the 2019 let's see where they matched up compared to the rest of the field so so if you look at Nadal compared to the other 128, and so I just went by their average forehand speed for the tournament. The yep. so Nadal, uh, well, actually I went for for each match their their hardest and then kind of filtered it out. But so Nadal would be seventh on the list for the hardest forehand, 122 kilometers an hour, which now he's tied for seventh with a bunch of people. So that would actually put him if you just count. Okay, the the you know, 10 tied for six above him and and just count Nadal as the first below the all the people tied for six. It put him at 31 out of 128, but I'd say there's probably another 15 that can also hit about the same speed as, as Nadal, 122 on the forehand. Backhand, he was seventh on the list, 116 kilometers an hour. And serve, he was 12th on the list, 192, which would put him 29 on the list. Backhand, It was actually put him on seven. Now The interesting thing is, I I don't know if many people have seen him practice. I I know you have, Stephen. He hits the ball ridiculously hard, harder than anyone I've ever seen. It's almost borderline reckless. And I, I remember one time I asked Francisco Roig, why does he hit so hard in practice compared to a match?
1: And just so the listeners know, Francisco Roig is a coach that's spent a lot of time with Nadal over his whole career. So even though Tony Nadal is well known as being his coach, Francisco Roig has always been involved.
0: You know, if you look at him in practice, I'd say he's probably one or two on the list for forehand and backhand. So so when I asked Francisco uh, or Francis, I thought he was going to give me an answer like, oh, he just you know, wants to hit hard in practice because in the match he knows the speed's going to drop down. But he said that he just hits that hard. He doesn't always feel like that. So he definitely could be higher on this list. It kind of gets to my point that he's playing within himself when some of these guys maybe aren't, well, some of these guys definitely aren't maybe in the first few rounds, but he's at a comfortable speed, which is still in the top 10 for, um, for forehand, backhand and 12th on the list for serve. So it goes to your point, too, that, you know, these these better guys, actually, their level, the power they're bringing, maybe just a little bit better than the average. Medvedev, on the other hand, forehand, he was tied for 10th, 117, which would put him 62, It put him kind of right in the middle. Uh, backhand, tied for 12th uh, on the list, uh, 108 kilometers per hour, 35 on the list. and But serve really stood out. He was tied for fifth. 203, which would put him like seventh down on the list. But so his serve's a big weapon. Surprisingly, like I said, he's right at the average for what the men are hitting. I think he might be even just a little bit below average on uh, maybe it was the backhand, which that's a surprise, but yeah, this serves a big advantage for him and the guys, I mean, he's an incredible mover. And as you know, that guy, that guy just doesn't miss. Uh, If we look at the women uh, on uh, her forehand tied for ninth on the list, 114. Uh, backhand seventh on the list. So, and serve tied for seventh. Backhand was 108 kilometers an hour. Serve was, she was t- tied for seventh, 167. So she's top 10 in every category. Serena forehand tied for fifth. Uh, like I said, she hits harder than Medvedev. Backhand tied for third. And serve, she was number one. Uh, backhand was 114 kilometers an hour. And serve was 177 kilometers an hour, and that was first. So, I mean, like you said, the, these these better players, they're definitely stand out somewhere. They have some weapons, maybe maybe may a power and speed. But uh, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Any comment? Yeah, no, I think it's
1: obvious that uh, they're all, you know, per- perhaps apart from Medvedev, all the other three are pretty high in the power stakes, and I think the the really important thing for listeners to take from this podcast is yes, power is important, but being able to repeat the power, I think is key. And we know that these elite players can repeat their shots at, you know, a good velocity. Um, they're all hitting pretty hard. And and obviously uh, three out of the four here are probably in the top 10 to 15% um, of power, but not, not the hardest, not the fastest. But I think that when yeah. you, when it comes to repeating that power, um, that's what separates them uh, from, you know, the people who are losing earlier in the tournament and a and reason why these players are, are getting going deep quite often.
0: One thing we, we forgot to mention is Serena is also retiring, too. And it's, it's just incredible what she's done in her career. And if you look at those four I just mentioned, she's at the top in almost everything. I mean, she has such an advantage there. and And like you said, she's able to repeat it. Um, So just impressive what she's done in her career. And she's just, she's going to be missed definitely on the women's side too.
1: Absolutely. And we talk about the three men that are are probably the best three ever. But uh, to me, I mean, Serena may be the biggest champion that I've seen in, in my lifetime. I mean, I know she's her grand slam record has kind of fallen a little bit in the later years of her career but at one point I think she was 21 and 5 in grand slam finals I mean that is absurd to dominate tennis like that is absolutely incredible and to play her best tennis on the biggest stages over and over again um, it to me is the, that's the hallmark of a champion. So absolutely.
0: Two more things and wrap it up, but if we just go by round and see like, okay, does the rally ball decrease as we go further into the round? That's what I wanted to see. Are, you know, are these guys tired? Are these women tired? But it, but it appears like there's really no trend. And if you look at the finals of the women, the the serve actually increased by uh, seven kilometers an hour, the forehand increased by four kilometers an hour and the backhand increased by one kilometer an hour. Uh, and com- that's from, from round one to the round hour, one correct? Yeah, ra- yeah ra- round one to the final. So, yep. so obviously these women can repeat that uh, every other day for two weeks. Um, and then if you look at the men, um, r- let's say they serve from round one to the final, it uh, the finals increased uh, by two kilometers an hour, the forehand decreased by five kilometers an hour, and the backhand decreased by five kilometers an hour. And that's probably more Medvedev, if anything, because if you look at the the semis, um, it, it was an increase all around. You had Berrettini, I think, was in the semis too. So serve really went up. Serve went up by like maybe twelve, and forehand went up by five kilometers an hour in the backhand went up by three but uh yeah so the finals probably Medvedev dropped that down a little bit well also if you remember that match I remember
1: watching that match both both Nadal and Medvedev sliced way more than they usually do um they were trying to slow pace they were trying to get the ball down on each other so
0: you're right that was an
1: incredible match from a tactical perspective um, because both guys played a little differently to try and upset the other one. Like I said, they sliced way more. And then I also recall serve and volley happened so much more than it usually does because both guys yeah. were standing way back on the fence. So yeah. there are some tactics involved in some of these numbers. But uh, yeah, I think, would you agree, Chris, if you look at the tables overall, it seems like the men's speeds don't differ too much as we go through, whereas it's pretty clear on the women's side that it does go up. Yeah, it does go up on the women's side as you get later in the tournament. Whereas on the men's side, I think, you know, there's some big hitters that lose in the first and second and third round that push those numbers up. And those big hitters basically have to work on the ball going between the lines a little bit more often and perhaps they can they can get later in tournaments. So that that was something that I saw in your tables.
0: Yeah, I remember Jose Aguirre said that, too, is, you know, sometimes these big hitters, they take themselves out early in the tournament because they can't really find the court. So, yeah, that's a good point. And just a couple of conclusions. Just last thing, I just wanted to see, Okay, I ranked a lot of different stats and where it would fall in, like if if I won the rally ball speed over my opponent, which we kind of talked about. But, you know, total points one would be number one on the list for something that you want to win ratio of, of winners to unforced errors, stuff like that. Would These would all be at the top. And if you look at, like, okay, just overall rally ball speed, I'd, for the women, it'd be ninth on the list. It really it's not significant enough. And on the men, it's uh, maybe eighth on the list. So it, it definitely is important. What's more important, I would say, is, like, the ratio of winners to unforced errors and, you know, stuff like that winning first serve points is huge in the men's and women's game stuff like those stats would be more important than hey we just need to hit the ball harder and that's going to solve all of our problems
1: yeah good point so as I I guess if I think about a couple of main points to take from um, our podcast today is and you've made them here I mean there appears to be a trend with increasing rally ball speeds so working on Working on power is definitely important. Power without the ball going in isn't, isn't any good to you. Um, and then just understand that hitting harder doesn't necessarily correlate with winning the match at a huge percentage. Like you said, you've got a table here that shows, you know, first serve points one, first first serve return points one. Winners to it, unforced errors, you know, receiving points One, they're all more important than hitting harder on your, your opponent. Covered that in earlier podcasts, haven't we, where, where we talk about the serve and return being very, very important.
0: Yeah. Huge. This
1: is great stuff, Chris, the, the rally ball stuff you put together here, um, making yeah, people thanks. understand that, that, that you know increasing that and getting better that is absolutely important but not the be all and end all so Make appreciate it. your work on this and uh great to see you again another episode of uh crunching the numbers thanks for being with us
0: the first serve is your home of tennis at the log on to find out all the details of our live radio show other podcasts read weekly features by our team of writers and follow us on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.
1: G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free, and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP 01005.